This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast, sponsored by Cards Accepted. If you're looking to take card payments with no contract or monthly fees, make sure you check them out at cardsaccepted.co.uk. I'm Elliot Jackson and of course I'm joined by my co-host George Smith. George, how are you? Not bad, mate. Not bad. How about yourself? Yes, good, thank you. The international break is in full swing, which means I have a rare weekend off, not at any championship football, not at any f- football at all, spending the uh, weekend with some festive activities with the family, which is nice because we're approaching my uh, my daughter's first Christmas. She's nearly one as well. So looking forward to that little bit of time with the family. Now, of course, you're probably wondering what is today's podcast all about because there's no international uh, it's the international break, so there's no championship football for us to get our teeth into. So we thought we would come up with a fun little game to wind each other up. So we are going to be picking a championship 11 each. Now, this is not a team of the season. This is not based off current form. This is based off players that we like, players that we think are the best in the division in their in their positions. But there are some rules. First of all, it's one player per team and they must be playing in their natural position. So I don't want to see any left-wingers on the right wing. I don't want to see any defensive midfielders playing in cam, etc., etc. And we don't know each other's team. And if any of the players clash, neither of us can use them. So we've had to think outside the box because you can't just pick the best 11 players, Because in, in, in our opinions, because ultimately if they clash... We can't use them and we've got to think on our feet and come up with backups live whilst we are recording. So this should be a bit of fun. So I'm looking forward to getting into this and hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast over the next hour or so. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. So, George, let's start in goal. Who is your number one? Well, my number one, bearing in mind, it's one player per club and you've had to think sort of three steps ahead when picking this. I've gone with one player that I thought, Probably not going to pick another player from that club. So I've gone for Victor Johansson and Rotherham United between the sticks. <laughs> and we're level already. <laughs> uh, I have also got Victor Johansson in goal. Well, this that was a well. good start. But that was probably a natural one that we expected, to be fair, because no disrespect to Rotherham, they've not really got that many outfield players that you'd deem a championship best 11. Whereas Victor Johansson, obviously is one of the best keepers in the division. So he definitely got my vote and yeah, he got yours as well. In, I also put him in goal because I thought you would go for someone higher up the table. Um, it probably was a bit of an obvious one. So now we've both got to find a new goalkeeper. I should have also added, we can't rejig any of the rest of the team. So you can only pick a goalkeeper from clubs that you haven't used yet, um, which obviously is going to be different for everyone else. So that's a bit annoying. Um, George, seeing as you said it first I'll let you have first pick of a replacement well in terms of a replacement then I'm going to go for Senny Dieng of Middlesbrough on the spot had a pretty good season so far good established championship keeper over the last few years with QPR obviously got the move to Borough in the summer so I've not got any Middlesbrough players in my 11 in terms of the 10 outfield spots so I think Senny Dieng can be my my backup my backup choice my backup's going to be Senny Dieng now I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> um, I will go with I'm going to put Lee Nichols in goal 
Now, he's been a bit up and down in the last couple of years, or certainly the last 18 months, but he had an amazing season when Huddersfield got to the Championship Player Final as the best goalkeeper in the division that year. I know it rustled quite a few Nottingham Forest fans who thought Bryce Samba should have been number one, but in that sort of season, but he was fantastic. Um, He's been a little bit wobbly in the last 12 months at times, but I don't think it's helped the uncertainty that's been happening at Huddersfield, both on and off the pitch. The defence in front of him has changed quite a lot because of injuries, and hopefully under Darren Moore, it'll settle down a little bit more. His form this season hasn't been, you know, I can't think of any particular high-profile errors, but neither can I think that he's been absolutely outstanding. So he's been quite middle of the road. So we managed to get one player in and we have already clashed with uh, Victor Johansson. So he's struck off the list and there will be no representative of Rotherham United in this team. At right back, I've gone for Ethan Laird. Okay, George okay. is okay. so I'm okay with that. Um, Birmingham City, we've, we're all aware that we thought did some of the best business in the summer. Picking up Ethan Laird seemed a bit of a steal for what they paid. There's a bit of discrepancy in the reporting, some saying it was about 750 grand. I think those that cover Birmingham say it was less than that. So to pick him up for six figures, regardless of what the final fee was, I think was a really, really shrewd bit of business. Without any disrespect to Birmingham, I know they've obviously got new investment and that that means they're a lot more of a tantalising proposition for players. But I expected one of maybe the relegated Premier League clubs, one of the teams that are really definitely going to be pushing at the top, maybe a Middlesbrough, someone like that, to come in for someone like Ethan Laird because he's had some good loan spells and he's clearly got a lot of potential. Now, injuries have been an issue as well for him at times, which have uh, disrupted his rhythm. But he had a great loan at... Um, at Swansea, um, obviously didn't work out for him at Bournemouth. QPR, he was really good when he was fit, but that was a little bit in and out of the team because of injury and fitness issues, as I say. But he's started the season really, really well with Birmingham, although we're not picking this on form. But I do think he's one of the better right-backs in the division. And when you're trying to look sort of further down the table so you can have a bit of a spread in terms of clubs, Ethan Led seemed an obvious choice for me at right-back. Yeah, I like Ethan Led, big fan of him. Did really, really well towards certainly at the start of his loan spell at QPR last season. Tail off a bit with QPR's form as well, but did well at Swansea a couple of years ago. The, the stint at Bournemouth didn't go to plan with injuries, but overall, I like what I've seen of Ethan Laird. And yeah, it is a, it is a six-figure fee, obviously, doing the Man United coverage in my job. And there's quite a few add-ons entailed in that deal. But I think a good package for Birmingham because there is a right-back with good potential there. In terms of my right-back... I've gone for one of the sort of higher-end players in this division. I've gone for Kyle Walker-Peters of Southampton. I did, I did have Kyle Walker-Peters in my team at first draft and then I changed it because I oh. wanted a Southampton player in a different position. Gone for the Saints nice and early, having looked at what else I was going to put in the sort of the midfield and the forward area. So Kyle Walker-Peters gets the nod for me at right back. Really like him. It was obviously a tip for big things not that long ago, linked with the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United in the past. A lot of people still think he's got the credentials to play for England one day at senior level. We were both there the opening night of the Championship season this year against Sheffield Wednesday when the Saints bossed the game that night and he moved into midfield, carrying the traits of a modern-day fullback. Just really, really like him. He's had a really good start to the season. He was really good recently in the win at Millwall. And I know we've said that this is an on-current form and sort of a team of the season, but he probably has been one of the best right-backs in the league so far this season. And when up and at it, he probably is the best right-back in the division. And we're doing that based on certainly this team, probably the the best players when they're at the peak of their powers at their very best. Obviously, there's a limitation on one per team, which sort of probably shoehorns one or two in, if you like. But 
I think Carl Walker-Peters, if you were building the championship best 11, he probably would be in most people's teams at right back. Yeah, I think so. If you took away the stipulations of what we had to pick, uh, one per club, etc., I think Carl Walker-Peters would be the right back. Who is your right-sided centre-back? Oh, I should have also said that we, we've both gone 4-3-3 to keep things yes. evenly matched up. Um, who is your right centre-back? Well, my first centre-half, I've gone with Jordan Story of Preston North End. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> You're we're, all right. We, we're all uh, right. I've, I've also got a Preston North End centre back at right centre. I've gone for Jordan Story. Big fan of Jordan Story. Really like him from a from a loan spell he had at Sheffield Wednesday in League One a couple of seasons ago. He's kicked on since then. Did really well for Preston last season. Done really well so far this year. He's established himself now as probably one of the probably one of the better better centre halves in this league. He's certainly developed quite quickly in the last couple of years. Really calm in possession. You know, he, he, he's a danger from set plays. I, I just think he's an all-round, really good centre-half that's got that quality to develop and, and get better as, as years progress. And, you know, he's certainly been key, hasn't he, so far under under Ryan Lowe this season. And I think the thing for Jordan's story is the fact that he's, a, he's 26, he's coming into his prime now. He's just beginning to establish himself as one of the top-end centre-halves in this division. And personally, I think there's certainly a hell of a lot more to offer from him in the, in the coming years. So for me, Jordan Story, the first centre-half in that team. Yeah, I think the thing about Story is he's got that bit of acceleration. And if you're going to play in a back three and play in those wide centre-back roles, you need to be able to have the capabilities of basically operating. Definitely, you can play out from the back. Yeah, well, you need to also be comfortable playing in full-back areas, basically, when you've got the ball as you spread across the pitch. And Story's a really good uh, player for that. I've got Liam Lindsay at centre-back, so very, very close. We're both picking Preston North End centre-backs. I've gone for Liam Lindsay because I think he has really established himself as the leader of that Preston North End back line under Ryan Lowe. It's easy to forget that Liam Lindsay's had a bit of a checkered past in terms of championship uh, gigs. He obviously made the move from Barnsley to Stoke, did not work out for him. He went into Preston and he didn't have the greatest of starts, really, and it wasn't until Ryan Lowe came in and they went to a back three and he was the preferred option in the middle of the defence that we've really seen his best form because Patrick Bauer was pretty much a fan's favourite and an automatic pick when Lowe went in and he's, he's, he dislodged him and he, he's kept his place in the middle of back three and he's, he's really the ar- architect and the um, the conductor of that back three. Really good at controlling it and, and chips in with some goals as well as we saw obviously um, last Friday night with him scoring the winner at Ewood Park. So I like that he's good on the ball. I like that I think he can play I think he's better suited playing in the middle of a back three, but equally, I think in a back four, he, he would be fine as well uh, as one of the two centre-backs. And I just think that he's really solid and he's really stepped into his potential as well, which is something at one stage didn't look like it was going to happen. So I've got Liam Lindsay as my right centre-back. And on the left side, I've got Blackburn Rovers' Dom Hyam. No, no, uh, no shudder from George. So no, nope, you're safe. Um, you're safe. As someone that obviously covers Blackburn Rovers and watches every single game, he is absolutely fantastic and has been their best signing under Yondal Thomason since he came in, picked up from Coventry City as, you know, someone who was solid and had played sort of right centre-back and and could play from the back. But we've seen a different side of him and he looks really comfortable now on the left-hand side. He's got a really good left foot today. He's right-footed as well. And he's been captain. He's the vice-captain at Blackburn and he's been captain on many occasions when Lewis Travis hasn't been in the team. I think it probably goes under radar how good he is at playing out from the back, especially on that left side. With the way Blackburn play, with the goalkeeper and the two centre-halves, Carter and Hyam, they they really do build from the back and they, they don't ever go long, really. 
um, from goal kicks. And it's so important you've got players comfortable on the ball. And to say he's a right foot playing on that left-hand side, he's fantastic. He's also so good at the typical championship qualities, heading it, kicking it, those those sort of things, the less analytical side of the game. Uh, but you need a mixture of both. And he is a leader of that back line. Whenever he plays, Blackburn are more solid. And I think he, amongst championship fans, he's probably one of the most underrated centre-backs, I think, unless he's obviously very highly rated at Blackburn. And I think, you know, Sam Smodic's obviously been incredibly key this season, but Dom Hyam's probably the second most important player to Blackburn Rovers, I would say. And he's currently obviously out injured and he's going to be out for another month with a, an ankle injury. He's really durable as well. Um, although he's out injured currently, this is only the, the second real injury he's had since he came into Blackburn over, a, you know, nearly 18 months ago now. So he was, uh, I was obviously going to get a Blackburn player in here one way or another, and he he was a, a natural choice for me at centre-back. Yeah, I can fully understand that. And he was one that I did contemplate myself, but I have got another Blackburn player in this 11 elsewhere, so I had to leave him. In terms of my second centre-half, and I'm, I'm showing my my depression here, of Sheffield Wednesday low knees that were fabulous, and I've had to go with Mark McGuinness. Of Cardiff City, also one that I considered. Yeah, Mark McGuinness. He he is, in my opinion, a, a player that is destined to play in the Premier League one day. I certainly think he's got the potential. We saw on loan at Sheffield Wednesday in the in the first half of last season just how good he was at League One level. Cardiff recalled him in January, went straight into their team, and has excelled ever since. He's been an ever present figure so far this season for Errol Bullet. Just an absolute rock of a defender, quite simply. Heads everything, wins most things in the air. Really strong, physical, good at set plays, chips in with a goal or two now and again. And I just think he's an all-round brilliant centre-half, certainly at this level. And like I say, I think he's destined to play in the Premier League one day, really composed on the ball as well. And to be quite honest, I went through this team and I thought, probably not going to be putting another Cardiff player in here. I'm looking further up the league and thinking I need a player from that club to go there. McGuinness seems like a solid shout. So I think... I think all four centre-halves that we've picked, though not necessarily would be if we were naming a star-studded 11, having been allowed to use players from the same club more than once, they probably won't get in. But I think the four that we've selected between us are certainly quality centre-halves that have definitely got a lot more to give as their careers progress. I would agree with that. I'm a little bit worried about your left-back. Go on then. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, this sure. could match. This could match. And there was only one candidate for me and it had to be Leif Davis of Ipswich yep, Town. Yeah, left back. Yeah. <laughs> well, it had to be, didn't it? Let's be honest. He's been outstanding so far this season. And you look at Ipswich's play and... I'm not going to have an Ipswich player in my team now. Bollocks. No, I'm not. You, you're going to look at Ipswich and you see the way that they're flying high at the top of the table and you automatically think of your likes of your, your, your Connor Chaplins, your George Hursts, um, Sam Moores is in the middle, Nathan Broadhead out wide, Wes Burns on the other side. But Leif Davis has been an absolute revelation in that left-back spot. I think we Leif always best, talk about Ipswich that we think they're better than the sum of their parts. But I think if you went through position by position, Leif Davis is probably the one player that is the best in yeah. their position. He's probably the, the star left-back, isn't he? And yeah. I think, to be honest, when you break that Ipswich team down sort of player for player... It's not a team littered with star-studded names. That's at what the very I mean. Top. I would say he's probably it's the one more of a collective effort. The yeah, he's the best. But yeah, Leif Davis, I think, is certainly worthy of a shout. Definitely, he's he's superb for me. And the the task of now picking another left back. Well, I I've got a little tricky. backup list for some of the positions where I thought <laughs> we might have some clashes. So I'm going to put Josh Tynum in 
at left back, someone I really liked at Stoke, and I was really surprised he got sold. He sort of got injured halfway through last season, and I thought he was starting to build his way up to being one of the better left backs in the division. And then he got sold in the summer, which I thought was really odd because Stoke have got Ender Stevens at left back instead now, which yeah. doesn't necessarily feel like an upgrade or a forward thinking upgrade. And Swansea have bought him, so I'm going to put Josh Tynum in. I, I can see sense with that. He, like you said, he did did do quite well last season, and that move in the summer was a little bit, little bit surprising. It was last minute as well. It was quite late in the. It window. was, it was quite late on. To be fair, and yeah, I, I can see sense with that. But in terms of my replacement left back, I'm going to go with a man that is currently on loan in the Championship, and although his form's been up and down so far, when he's at the peak of his powers. Uh, and at his, on his A game, he is a very good player. And I'm going to go with Jamal Lewis of Watford. Really like right. Jamal Lewis. I really liked him when he was at Norwich City. Thought he was destined for big things. Obviously got that move that move to Newcastle United. Didn't quite work out, obviously. The investment there and other players coming in has not quite supported his case. But I think even though his form's been up and down so far at Vicarage Road this season, when he's up and at it, there's a really, really solid championship left-sided defender in that team. So... For me, Lewis, I think, solid shout, but certainly not a position sort of where we've seen in previous years has been started. I think this year, beyond, say, Leif Davis, there, there are slight limitations on certainly attack-minded, eye-catching left-backs this year. Holding midfield, because uh, I am four, we're obviously 4-3-3 three, three, and I've got one sitter. I've tried to be more realistic, so I've got one sitter and two players that are going to play as my number eights. Uh, I've Bettens sort of got Westbrook. that, yeah. So my sitting midfielder is Ethan Ampadu from Leeds United. When I was trying to think of the best holding midfielders, like naturally defensive-minded midfielders, and you look sort of near the top of the league as well, Ethan Ampadu was an easy shout. I think he's coming to Leeds United. And he's, you know, he's obviously been around for a long time, but it's easy to forget how young he still is. And now he's finally got a home after the, you know, 18,000 loans that he's had on <laughs> he's had from Chelsea. He's finally got a home and he's settled like a, a duck to water in that middle of that midfield, which, you know, there was no guarantee. It was a big sum they pay. What was it? Seven million with potential add-ons to 10 in the summer leads. And it, so that was a big investment in Ampadu to come in and be the linchpin of that midfield. And we know Parker's team like to play with energy. They like to press. So if you're not quite at it or you're not to the level, it shows really quickly because you're off the pace. But he's been absolutely fantastic for Leeds. He's an automatic pick. I really like the combination him and Kamara have, have uh, struck up in recent weeks. And that's um, saying something considering Archie Gray made such a great start to the season, but he's now playing at right back or he's now, um, you know, as a rotation option. But yeah, I think Ampadu has been one of the best midfielders in the championship. I don't think he's sparkling on the ball particularly, but I think he's got good passing range. And I think there's plenty of room to develop because, as I say, because of how young he was when he broke into the you know, the mainstream media at Chelsea. It feels like he's been around for ages and people probably don't realise how young he still is. So for his first stint, proper stint in the championship with his own club, I think he's, he's adapted really well and, and clearly very early on in his Leeds United career, he's someone that Daniel Farker can depend on. Yeah, fully agree with that. He's been sensational so far this season, hasn't he? Like you say, he's adapted to, to life at Leeds with, with such ease and he's made it look really, really easy. And I'll be honest, I... I did contemplate putting Ethan Ampadu in that position myself, but I have got another Leeds player in a different position, which meant I had to had to salvage him and, and and look elsewhere, sort of thing. So I've done that, but no arguments with that. Ampadu's been excellent, like you say, after 
God knows how many loan spells. He's finally found a home, a settled team where he is a key player in that team. And there was there was always always a clear indication when it, throughout them loan spells that there was a player in there waiting for his big breakthrough moment. And he's had to drop down a level to probably where he wouldn't want to have been at, having come through the ranks at Chelsea. You never want to sort of leave a big, big Premier League club and have to drop into the Championship. You always want to sort of go to a sort of mid-lower-end Premier League team, certainly, I don't know, maybe like a, a Fulham or a Nottingham Forest or something. That's the project, isn't it, though, Felice? Because that's where... It is, to get back like there and build. Be. Definitely. And and you would imagine Leeds, with the way they're going at the minute, they're going to be with a good chance of getting back there this season. So if they can achieve that, you can already sense that Ampadu would be a key player for Daniel Farker in the Premier League. He's certainly got the, the nous and the ability to play at that level. So... Having obviously picked Ampadu in your team for that CDM role, I've gone with a man that you're very familiar with and I've gone with Adam Wharton. He is a man that's obviously on the rise, big, big potential. Blackburn got very high hopes for him. Not quite at the same level as Ampadu at the moment, but like I've said, I've got another Leeds player elsewhere, which means I've, I've put him in. But I certainly think he's up there with the better end of CDMs in the division. He's had a really good start to the season, rapid rise like several others that we've mentioned already. And it's quite clear that there is a player in there that has got the des- the, the potential to play in the Premier League one day. There's been links not long back with some of the big hitters in the Premier League, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, been rumours floating around. But I think at the minute, the way Yondal Thomason has built this young Blackburn Rovers team over the past 12, 15 months, whatever it's been, He's been a key player in that and he's developed really, really well under his stewardship. So I don't think Adam Wharton is certainly a shout that people will look at and think he doesn't belong in that team because I do think he's right up there with the best CDMs in the league. He's got massive potential. Obviously, he's 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 been key to what Yondel Thomas has tried to do ever since arriving at Ewood Park and he's developing. And like I say, I just think he's destined for big, big things. And at the minute, he's certainly one of the best in class in that position in the Championship. I find it very interesting you put him in holding midfield because, and that, and that is accurate, that is where he's been playing. Generally, for Rovers, he's played as the deepest midfielder, but it's been quite an interesting debate amongst fans and, and myself where his best position is. And I think the higher he plays up in terms of the ladder, you know, if he went to play in the Premier League, I think playing as that number six is the best position for him because he's so good on the ball. Yeah. But defensively, he's still got a lot to work on. And I think in the Championship, is actually better slightly further forward with someone like Sandro Tronstad next to him or behind him who's more defensive-minded but not quite as good on the ball. But I think when they played in the Carabao Cup against Chelsea, for example, and Adam played as that number six, you can see that that is where he will play in his long-term career because he's so good on the ball and teams need players that are press-resistant, players that can play through the lines and get out of trouble when you're playing out from the back. So... I think short-term-wise, I think he's actually better for Blackburn further up the pitch. But I think in terms of his long-term career and his development, which is what Thomason's clearly been looking at because he has generally played as the deepest midfielder, I think he would be better in that number six role for a Premier League club or if Rovers are playing away at Leicester, playing away at Southampton, Leeds, etc. I think he's better in that position. So, yeah, that's really interesting and in that you've gone for him. Um, I definitely think he's good enough to be playing in the Premier League. And if he, you know, if he can work on those defensive attributes and keep growing in the way he has over the last 18 months, I definitely don't think that it's impossible he could play for England one day. No, I think he's got that potential in his locker, without a doubt. We've seen clear signs, haven't we, in, in recent months of just how much he's grown. 
So I, I think it's way too early to put a cap on his potential because there's certainly something something in there that makes you look at him and think that this kid is a talent. He's got something about him which one day, like you said, could mean he could end up playing for England. And when we've done posts on the on the Twitter page in the past asking fans to come up with championship players that we think could be destined to play for the three Lions one day, a lot of people, though of course of Blackburn persuasion, that you're going to pick your players that you see every week, your favourite players. But... You know, you certainly as a neutral, though you cover Blackburn, want them to do well. You're not a Blackburn supporter. You you acknowledged and told me several times just how good this kid this kid looks. Absolutely right. First number eight central midfielder. What who have you got? Well, it's kind of a floaty number eight, number ten. I was thinking one defender, two that like to go forward and make things happen. So again, bearing in mind the clubs, but he's been around the championship long enough. He, he's certainly one of the best midfielders on his day. And I've gone for John Swift of West Bromwich Albion. Really, really big fan of John Swift. Scores goals year after year, creates goals year after year. Just a well-rounded championship midfielder who is just a seasoned pro that, let's be honest, you know nine times out of ten what you're going to get from him year on year. He, he never sort of regresses. He's always at that steady pace, chipping in with goals, creating chances, makes that West Brom team tick. Was really good at Reading several years ago. Didn't do bad at Brentford prior to that. And I think for, for West Bromwich Albion, if you go through their team, and it's similar in a way to other teams that we've mentioned, like Ipswich, they've not really got many sort of star-studded, glittering names. It's just a well-oiled machine that works. There's a lot of experience in that West Brom team when you think about it. You think Kyle Bartley, Matt Phillips, Jed Wallace, these players are, have been around the block. They're very experienced, but they've still got it. And West Brom have proven in the last few weeks just how good they've been. Their form's been really, really impressive. But I think Swift is probably, certainly when everyone's at their best, he's probably their star name in terms of West Bromwich Albion. Jed Wallace, another one as well. But Swift, for me, you know what you're going to get from him. Scores goals year after year. Creates chances for his teammates by the bucket load. And just really, really like him as a player. Really, really creative and quality. And like I say, probably one of the most consistent players we've seen in the division over the last four, four or five years. I think consistency at West Brom has been a little bit of an issue at times for him. I think he's obviously moved around position. Sometimes he's played off the left. Sometimes he's played, as you say, as a number 10 or a, or a, an attacking number 8. So I feel like he's not gone backwards a little bit, but I, I feel like he's stagnated probably a little bit since he went to West Brom because he had that amazing season at Reading. Certainly in terms of numbers, it was the best. It, 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 amazes, me that, it amazes me that he's only 28. It feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, I think I just want to see him really hit his form and be one of the best players in the division every single week because otherwise he's going to be a championship player because he's now at that yeah. age where Premier League clubs probably aren't going to take a chance on him because of his age and the fee that... Probably not. But you, you look at his stats in the last few years, that last season he had at Redden, he got 11 goals and 13 assists. Then his first season at West Brom, which was obviously last season, all competitions, he got seven goals, 10 assists. And then this season, last season. this season so far, six goals in 11 games and one assist. So his attacking output is, is quite impressive for a midfielder. Yeah, and I've probably done bearing, in mind, there. bearing in mind, he's been out injured recently and West Brom have coped quite well without him. Prior to that, he was on a good run. He got three goals in five games and an assist as well. And when you actually look at his numbers from those first 11 matches that West Brom played, he was contributing a goal or either an assist in nearly every one of those games. So for me, I think he's been one of the better midfielders this season. It's probably just because he's not been in the squad for the last five matches and West Brom have been doing reasonably well without him. He's probably just been forgotten a little bit. But when you break his numbers down, they are quite impressive. And his overall record in the Championship isn't bad as well. 51 goals and 50 assists in this in this league. 
which is which is quite good going for a midfielder. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, for one of my number eights, I've gone for Norwich City's Gabriel Sara, who has been one of the better players in the Championship this season. But I just like what he's about, and in a Norwich team that has been pretty poor, or certainly on the downward uh, downward trajectory since August. He's still been a shining light for them. It has been a, a case of when Norwich have scored a goal or, or looked decent for spells in game, it's been give the ball to John Rowe, give the ball to Gabriel Sarr and see what they can do. And Sarr was a huge investment, as was uh, Marcelino Nunez uh, last summer from Norwich. They put all their eggs in the South American basket, as it was, and went for them with their parachute money coming down as, as investments. Now, it's probably not quite come off with Nunez yet although there's plenty of time. But Sara, whenever they do sell him, they are going to make a hefty chunk of profit on that because he's got the qualities to play further up the pitch. We've seen how he can influence games in the final third, the goals he can score, the way he can go past players. He's got a hammer of a left foot, the goal against Leeds, where he just smashed it so hard past Ilan Meslier at his near post springs to mind. But I also think he's got the physical qualities to play deeper and play in, you know, as a double pivot or to play in one of those... Uh, number eight roles. I think he's got the athleticism to do that. I don't think he's a luxury player, which is great. And you do, with South American players, they do have that aggression. They do usually have that other side of their game as well, where they are quite happy to battle and scrap and get stuck in. And you need that if he's going to play at a higher level. I do think sorry if he continues the sort of form he's had, certainly for the last, I'd say, calendar, for this calendar year, the last 11 months, because he was a little bit slow starting when he first came to the club. But I think that the way he's developing, you know, I've been doing some research on him and, and people saying that the way he's adapted in terms of English and things like that, picking up the language. Um, I think he's clearly a, a massive talent and I think that he is going to probably play in the Premier League, continues his current trajectory. And for Norwich, it was a good bit of business to bring him in, some good scouting. And I expect that he will make them a, a hefty chunk of profit when they do finally sell him on. Yeah, definitely. can agree with all of that. And I actually said, didn't I? I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It might have been after last weekend when they beat Cardiff, actually. I said a lot of the time, nine times out of ten, Norwich, throughout the, the period of difficulty that they've had, we've said, haven't we, that nine times out of ten, they've relied on Gabriel Saro or Johnny Rowe to get them out of trouble. It's those two, nine times out of ten, that have managed to come up with something to save them. Saro is a brilliant player, there's no doubt about that. And I, I possibly, now you've mentioned him, he was maybe one that I was was guilty of overlooking perhaps maybe he is was a better fit maybe than John Swift certainly on recent form but I think Swift sort of is consistent over the last few years bit of a bit of a cult hero in the championship if you like probably just edge edge my um edge my decision towards him but Sarah's a, a brilliant player really like him and you would you would be surprised certainly if Norwich's fortunes don't change too quickly that um if he's not on the move within the next 12 months now Again, I'm a bit concerned because neither of us have picked a Leicester City player yet and I've got Keenan Dewsbury Hall as my secondary number eight. Yep. How could you leave him out? It had to be Keenan Dewsbury Hall, didn't it? Yeah, it so unfortunately he's not going to make the team now because we both <laughs> picked him to play uh, play number eight. So seeing as I, um, I picked him, I'm going to have first dibs on a replacement. I'm going to go with Ben Sheaf of Coventry City. Um, to come into my midfield. Again, I've got a little bit of a list of backups of clubs I've not got players in for. Um, Sheaf, someone I really like, and I think Coventry have really missed him when he's not been available. He can play a bit deeper. He can also play higher up, as we've seen. And I think whilst Homer got plenty of the plaudits last season, 
you know, that midfield trio of Sheaf, Allen and and Hamer, Sheaf did a lot of the donkey work, did a lot of the off the ball stuff that allowed Allen to flourish, allowed Gustavo Hamer to, to flourish. And I just think he's quite underrated. Obviously, it was a, a, a bit of a bit of a unknown pickup from Coventry when they got him from um, when they got him from Arsenal, for, for who obviously come through their ranks. So you don't you don't come through the academy of Arsenal if you've not got a little bit about you. But yeah, it's the defensive side of the game as much as the offensive side that impresses me with him. But I do think that he's perfectly capable of playing in more advanced areas as well. So I think tactically this still works. Maybe it'd be better suited with me dropping to a 4-2-3-1 and playing Sheaf and Ampadu next to each other and let Sarah have complete free roam in a number 10. But either way, I think that midfield balances out quite well. So I'm going to go for Ben Sheaf to replace the exiled Keenan Dewsbury Hall. Well, I've had to obviously think on my feet like you with this one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna select a man that I think has not quite been at his very best this season, but certainly made a good fist of things last year, and you'd like to think that he will will sort of get back to them levels sooner rather than later. I'm gonna go with Zian Fleming of Millwall, playing in that number eight, number ten position, creator. We, we saw last season just how good a pickup he was by Millwall, brought in from from the Dutch league. And he excelled, didn't he? He was absolutely marvellous last season. We mentioned a few times it was sort of an outside-of-the-box sort of recruitment style from from Millwall to go for him, a bit like Preston have done this season with Frokar Jensen. And I just think he's been a brilliant player. When you look at his numbers, 19 goals and five assists for Millwall so far. Four of them goals this season, a couple of assists in there. Numbers, reasonable, not too bad, nothing too glittering. They're, they're fairly respectable in, in line with the start that Millwall have had to the season. But he is a really, really talented player, and you would you would think that if he if he sort of gets back to the level he was at last season and, and produces the numbers that he did last season, there could potentially be one or two sniffing around for him next season. Maybe sort of your higher end championship clubs. I mean, he got fifteen goals last season in his first season in English football, three assists as well. It was a really, really respectable tally, and I think Zian Fleming at the age of twenty five, not turning twenty six until the first of August next year. There's a lot more to come from him. Um, there was a lot of bids rejected from Burnley in the summer, wasn't there? There to, was. To there was play, Premier League interest. Premier League. I wonder if maybe that's disrupted him a little bit in terms it's, of it's possible. season. Obviously, it's Millwall possible. changing manager as well. It's not been the most stable environment this season. No, it certainly hasn't. But like I say, his numbers, four goals, couple of assists so far. It's, it's not the worst return in the world when you look at how Millwall have started the season as a collective. And I think... I watched the game when they drew 1-1 with Preston uh, a few weeks ago and, and he scored a brilliant goal in that game and he was he was really, really good and I thought that's the sort of level he can be at. The goal was just sublime work of art, an individual goal. He got a goal and assist away at Plymouth. He got a he got a goal in the Rotherham win. So he has been chipping in at key moments this season. So the, we we know what he's capable of and, and let's see how he, how he develops under Joe Edwards who we feel like is a manager, albeit after just one game, is going to gradually improve Millwall's style of play, which is something the Millwall fans have been longing for. But I think Fleming, when he's at the peak of his powers, I think he's a he's a he's a good alternative based off who we had selected between us for that number eight, number ten position. So uh, I'm going to go for Fleming, and and you're obviously going with Ben Chief. 
Yes, I think that maybe you picked the better of the two options there. Just like Ooh, I think I probably, Hang on I probably can I get can I get that rubber stamp? You're actually praising me for something. Well, I that think I picked better often. than you. I think I picked better with you with Sarah over John Swift, but I think Yeah, I can, I can see that one. Better with Zian Fleming over over Ben Sheaf. Now the front three then. I again I'm a bit scared we're going to have some clashes here, particularly on the left I'm... and up. I'm thinking. Oh no, we won't position. have a problem up front because you've already. Never mind. We won't have a problem up front. Never one mind. position may clash, and I've got a feeling right. it might. Right wing, I've got Jaden Philogene of Hull City. Uh, he's yep. been absolutely. He's been absolutely fantastic this season. He has predominantly played on the left, but he certainly has played on the right in his loans with with um, Cardiff and with Stoke. So I'm 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 having it. I'm not saying that this is playing someone out of position. Because uh, he's definitely played there, and it's not just based on this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. It was a big investment. I did it. I did quite a big segment on Philogene a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when he scored the winning goal. Um, I can't remember who it was against, but he's been fantastic in, in in recent weeks, particularly. And it was a big fee for Hull City to pay out. I always wince a little bit when a club pays a figure in the region of £5 million. They don't have parachute money. It's a lot to put on a player. But if, I suppose if you're going to invest in someone, an England under-21 international who is a wide forward that can score goals, is quick, you know, those are the players that are going for big money at the moment. We've seen a big big change in the trends of championship this season. We've gone, we've lost a lot of the three at the back and we've seen a lot more wide forwards uh, come into the teams and, and be the key assets and the key goal scorers. So that's been a, a positive. That's why I think the goals per game in the Championship this season is probably on the up compared to the last couple of years because we've seen less of the stodgy 3-5-2 and more of the 4-3-3 with players like Philogene. And he's been fantastic for City. Whenever Hull have played really well or whenever they've scored goals, he's been at the heart of it. He's, he's a really good dribbler, fantastic ball carrier. And he's just improving that end product time and time again. I have to say, although he's obviously quite highly rated by Villa, and obviously he's played in the England youth teams. I'd not seen a massive deal from his loans at Stoke and Cardiff to say, yes, that's someone you should definitely hang £5 million on, particularly for Hull City, who have had big investment, but got to be wary of financial fair play and got to be, any club's got to be slightly cautious when spending that sort of figures in, in today's championship, particularly when you don't have parachute payments. So if it goes wrong, it can be a bit of a noose round your neck in terms of wages and things like that. It probably is one of the better played players at the ACOM. But I do think so far it's been a big success and clearly is the type of profile of player that is really on trend at the minute. So if he continues to do well, he'll either help Hull City get in the playoffs and get promoted or he'll get a big move to the Premier League and Hull will cash in. So Jaden Philogene on my right wing. I can't complain with that one. Not at all. Really talented player. And like you said, he's he's got massive, massive potential and yeah, it was a little bit of a gamble for Hull to invest such a significant amount of money in him when they've not got the, the the advantage of parachute payments, but they're clearly believing in a process there. They've been a club on the up ever since Liam Rossini came in about 12 months ago, and it's clear that they do want to develop long-term under him, and a player like Jaden Philogene is going to be a player that is, is going to be a star attraction for Hull City, we think. He's had a really good start, numbers have been impressive, and... Very, very good for England's under-21s in their last outing when they played at the City ground. It escapes me who they played, but I think they won 9-1 that evening. I think he got... I know he definitely got the Man of the Match award that night. Got a couple of goals, yeah. Uh, he did. He definitely got the Man of the Match award. I couldn't remember if he scored two or a hat-trick. But um, 
he's been excellent for club and country so far and England's under-21s in action again this weekend. So I think that's a good shout. My right winger, I'm going to go for a, for a man that I thought you may have selected, but obviously you haven't. And I'm going to go for Morgan Whitaker of Plymouth Argyle. Really, really big fan of Morgan Whitaker. Plymouth fans were obviously ecstatic when he came back in the summer. They couldn't believe it. Obviously, he'd had a spell there last season when they were in League One. He came back in the summer and he's been absolutely fabulous, hasn't he? I think his numbers speak for themselves. Seven goals, three assists already. Got a hat-trick in that 6-2 demolition of Norwich City as well. And he's just an all-round threat on that right-hand side. Him... Bally Mumba, obviously the two star signs they made in the summer were, were key figures in their League One promotion winning campaign last season. Neither really were expected to come back. Got them both back on permanent deals. And Whitaker's just been absolutely fabulous on that right-hand side. He is the architect of pretty much everything that Plymouth do. He's, he's quick. He's got a trick in the locker. Scores goals, creates goals. He's everything that you could wish for. And the best thing about him is 22 years of age. Look at the growth on him as well, potentially, like Jaden Philogene. So... I, I personally think that Whitaker, Philogene, both really, really good wingers, probably two of the best wingers in the league, certainly got massive potential. And I think quite easily, both of them could end up playing regularly in the Premier League one day. I certainly think they've both got it in their potential. So I think both of us there have gone with, with, with solid shouts, to be fair. I think Philogene's got a higher ceiling than Morgan Whitaker personally. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I certainly think, I certainly think Whitaker's got potential as well. There's certainly a hell of a player in there and put it this way, I think based on the way he started the season, there'll be a few, and I don't mean that this was any, with any disrespect to Plymouth Argyle, but I think there'll be sort of clubs in the Championship higher up the table with higher expectations, sort of targeting top six that are probably thinking, mm, we might have missed a trip there, not going for him. This this kid's got something about him. And Certainly when you think they paid about a million pounds for yeah. Swansea, it, it was and absolutely bad. Why was Swansea not using him when they recalled? They recalled no him idea. last January. Why was he no not playing? No idea. I know there's obviously always a counter-argument, isn't there, whether he fits the, the, the specifics of the style of play, but surely a player as talented as that, you, you get him yeah. in there somewhere, you use him, you play him. And Morgan Whitaker, the numbers speak for themselves, as I've said, he's contributed to more championship goals this season than any other summer signing. He has been the most, in terms of numbers of goals and assists, he has been the most impactful championship summer signing. The numbers don't lie. And if I was a Plymouth fan, I'd be watching them every week thinking, maybe can he just slow down a bit because we might lose him at this rate because he looks that good. And, you know, if I wasn't picking him on the right-hand side, I probably would have picked Bally Mumber on the other because he's another player that I really, really like and have got a whole lot of excitement for for the future. Who is on your left wing? I've got a feeling we're going to clash on this one because we haven't mentioned that club and I've had to go with Jack Clark of Sunderland. Who is clash? your next pick on left wing? Oh, here we go. So Jack Clark this is This is why I didn't pick a Plymouth player as well. <laughs> no, Jack Clark. I mean, let's just get it out of the way first. I mean, you'd be bonkers not to pick him. Wouldn't you? It's as simple as that. I think he's been the best player in the championship. I think that if we were to run PFA Player of the Year in the championship today, Jack Clark would win. Yeah, he's been very, very good. Over the last 12 months, he's been on a very steep upward trajectory. He's, he's blossomed under Tony Mowbray's management. And again, Tony Mowbray, I've said it countless times on this podcast, he is one of the best managers out there for getting the best out of young players. He did it with Harvey Elliott at Blackburn. He did it with Ahmad last season. Jack Clark, over the course of 12 months, has gone from strength to strength. Nine goals and one assist already this season. You look at his numbers from last year, they were absolutely terrific. 
11 goals, 14 assists in all competitions. He's just a fabulous player. And you just sense that obviously he got that big money move to Tottenham. It was it was too early. It was, was too early. You can early. understand you can understand why Tottenham jumped on the bandwagon. They saw him developing under Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds and thought this kid looks a player, which he did. There's no denying that. He did look a very exciting prospect. But as we've seen with quite a few players in the past, they've made that big jump to a big Premier League team far too soon. I think even though the era was different back then and it, it, the, the, the you know the situation was different, Wilfred Zaha jumped from Crystal Palace to Manchester United when he did. That never worked out and ended up back at Palace. Jack Clark, you look at him now and you think, how long is it going to be before he is playing regularly in the Premier League? Not necessarily for one of the big six, but sort of a lower Premier League team with lower aspirations and just a steady Premier League sort of mid-table side. I know well, Burnley wanted inter- him in the summer. They did. They, they were they very interested. And you can see they why did. he would have been good for them in transition. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And it's just everything about Jack Clark, isn't it? He's such a good carrier of the ball. He, he's so good at scoring goals from distance. He's a good penalty taker. He can create goals. And I watched the game against Birmingham last he week. He's on the back post as well for some Yeah, he does. Side. He does pop up there now and again, actually, now you mention it. But I watched the game against Birmingham last week and I watched him and I thought, this kid is just, he's something special. There is something about him. Even though he didn't score last weekend, which was a rarity, he was still involved in the play and a real menace. So for me, I think Jack Clark is is was a, was a shoo-in in this left wing spot. But he's but not for replacement. He's been kicked out. As for a replacement, this could now be tricky. Well, I'll go. I'll go because I've got Barley Mumba already lined up, ready to go. I, I saw this. I pick saw him. this coming, and I've had Barley Mumba earmarked in my uh, backups list to come straight in because he is fantastic. He's changed roles this season, of course. He played basically as a, a wing back, mainly left wing back for Plymouth last year. I was really, really shocked that Norwich sold him. I thought that was a bonkers move. You know, Jack Stacey's very good. Um, Giannoulis is solid, but Barley Mumber is better than both of them. He's got a better ceiling and he should have been playing for Norwich every week. Even play him on the wing if you want, like or play him at fullback, but... I think it makes sense tactically for Plymouth to have shifted to 4-3-3 and to basically they've got match winners at the top end of the pitch in Hardy, in Whitaker, in Mumba. Don't saddle them with defensive responsibility. Don't let teams pin them back, particularly Mumba if he was playing at wing. Don't let them pin him back into the left-back role. Get him up the pitch. Get teams worried about you in transition and on the counter-attack. And he has thrived in that role. I'm not a big fan he's wearing the number two shirt to say he's playing on the right wing, uh, to playing on the left wing. But I will forgive... I will forgive Plymouth Argyle because they've done a great bit of business picking Mumber up. And again, I think Mumber has got the higher ceiling of him and Whitaker personally. I think he could play as a fullback in the Premier League once he's developed that sort of defensive side because I think he's got the athleticism and I think he's got the end product on the ball. And a lot of the time nowadays when teams are looking to pick up fullbacks, you are looking for those qualities, which you can't really teach, um, but you can develop a player's defensive awareness, marking, those sorts of attributes. So I think he's got a lot of the raw qualities to play. I do think he's probably going to be a fullback in his career when he moves up higher up the divisions. But in terms of playing on the left wing in the championship, he's, he's caused plenty of havoc for for defenders. And I think he's Plymouth's best player. You and kit numbers, eh? Your pet hate of dodgy yeah, kit numbers. Not, I don't know. Not, how on earth, a, how on earth did you cope being a Wednesday fan in 2016-17 when Joe Wilson right. got number two as a goalkeeper? Mate. 
for a press. Stephen it. Fletcher is number six, and Adam Reacher left back is number nine. How did you cope? I repressed it. <laughs> well, this is an awkward one for me. I must admit, on the left hand side, obviously. Did you not I foresee use... that coming? Poor planning. Well, poor I did. But there's not that many alternatives from clubs that I've not already used that makes me think I really, really like them. So I'm going to go with a man that is still relatively fresh to the championship. But I like what I've seen of him in spurts. And that is Andre Vidigal of Stoke City. Came in in the summer. Bit of an unknown one for Ilias Chair. Mm, I, I view Chair more of a cam as a number 10, thinking at his best there. Even I though he can play out wide on the left. Football. I think he's Chris definitely Willick's playing enough one. football on the left wing. Chris Willock's another one. Nah, I followed out Chris Willock because he's been shit for over 12 months. <laughs> I really, I really, really liked Chris Willock. And he was doing so well. And I was I was really on the bandwagon of Chris Willock. And I was like, he's ready for the Premier League. And then he's just, he's just disappeared. Then he fell out with him. He's been shit but... and he's just disappeared. And I've fallen out with him as a result. You've, you've fallen out with him. I'm amazed that we that we didn't get Romain Sawyer as your hero in this team. Mm, you've fallen out with him as well. He's not been very good for a while anymore, has he? You used to idolise Romain Sawyer. Well, he you? used to be very good and now he's not. So He was your hero. Change. But no, I'm going to go on that alternative left wing. I'm going to go for Andre Vidigal, to be honest with you. And, you know, he's still relatively young in his championship career. He's only played 10 games in the division. But I like what I've seen of him in, in, in fits and starts, to be fair. He's got four goals so far, albeit three of them were plundered inside the first three games of the season. But I, I think there's a player in there. He's coming, obviously, an unknown quantity from the Portuguese league. And... He's had a decent-ish start to the division. He's only 25, doesn't turn 26 until the middle of August next year. There's room for growth. Stoke obviously took their recruitment strategy down a different road and certainly some of their recruitment last, well, say last summer, the summer just gone, in bringing in a lot of players, a few from overseas as well. But Vidigal's probably the most exciting of, of that bunch that they brought in. I think there's certainly a player in there who, with a with a consistent run in a, in a team that's performing consistently as Stoke City are now, five unbeaten, four clean sheets in a row. They are finding a little bit of momentum at the moment. Hopefully they'll pick that back up after the international break. But I like Vidigal, what I've seen of him. He seems quick, seems quite technical on the ball, scores goals and looks a general threat and certainly got the potential to end the season in double figures for goals, I think. He's halfway there already when you account for his goal in the League Cup as well. He's got five in all competitions so far. So five in 11 games for a player playing in England for the first time who's a, who's a left winger is not a bad return, to be fair. He needs to add a couple of assists to that tally. But from what I've seen, I think there's potential for that. So I'm interested to see how his season develops. But as a backup in, the, in what we've picked, using obviously from a, a player from a club we've not already used, I'm going to go with Andre Vidigal. Trying to think who you've not used. Oh, I know who's up front for you. I think you've got Joel Perot leading the line. Correct. And who and have you got? I've got Adam well, Armstrong. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. I just love Joel Perot. Things a fabulous player. I think now that Jokeres has departed... Technically and gone on to... not a striker. Technically played... Plays number 10, no, but he can play as a nine. He can play up front. The man's a machine up front. But yeah, like I said, after Victor Jokeres departed in the in the summer to go to um, to go to uh, Sporting Lisbon, I think Perot now technically is is probably the best striker in the championship. To be honest with you, he's all around game. Best striker in the championship. I will challenge well, you there. We'll have to agree to disagree, won't we? We'll have a scrap about it later. But um, I honestly think Perot, when you look at his numbers since he came in, 
to Swansea from PSV Eindhoven a couple of years ago. 47 championship goals in 104 games, nine assists as well. He's done well at Leeds so far, eight goals and an assist, uh, six goals and an assist, I should say, so far um, in his first 13 games, which is a pretty good return. Yeah, playing as a number 10 probably, but has played as a nine a couple of times for Daniel Farker so far. And let's be honest, the way he rotates in that role, he's constantly moving up and down between 10 and nine. So I just think Joel Perrault, technically, very similar to Jokeres, as an all-round player, as an all-round striker, is a very, very intelligent, a very good Probably footballer. Probably not got the pace, not got the pace of Jokeres. Not got the pace of Jokeres, but in terms of his ability to drop deep and link play and get on the ball and make things happen in that sense, they have got some parallels to their individual styles. But I just think when you look at his record for Leeds early doors, six goals already in, in 13 games, as I say, he's a fabulous player and he's going to end up in the Premier League, whether it be with Leeds or someone else one day. And again, I wonder where, he's only where, 24. I wonder if good the age. Premier League is really suited to him because I don't see him playing as a number nine in the Premier League. I don't think he's got the pace or well, the physicality. I think he I could. Is he a bit of a luxury Depends on the level of service he'd get, I think. Mm. Depends on the service he'd get as a nine because let's be honest, we were all... Obviously, Jokerez was a little bit quicker, but I'm still astounded that nobody in the Premier League lump money at him in the summer to I, get I him. don't think they're that similar player at all, if I'm being completely honest. I, well, I, I see some parallels. Certainly in their way, they drop deep to get on the ball, make things happen, and they're both natural goal scorers. Obviously, the pace element's yes, a little yeah. bit different, but in terms of linking play, in a way, obviously, nowhere near as good. There's sort of the way Harry Kane does it, sort of drops deep, he's willing to come back into midfield to get the ball and then get up the pitch and, and he's a poacher. So, big fan of Joel Perot. Love him to be. It's a cracking player. Probably, for me, the best best all-round attacker in the Championship, I would go as far as saying, in terms of the way he can link play, score goals, things like that. But can fully understand why you've selected Adam Armstrong. I mean, his, his record at this level in recent years has been nothing short of phenomenal. Well, his record in the last two and a half seasons is, I read them out in the podcast last week, in fact, it was 102 goals. Uh, sorry, it's 102 appearances and 52 goals, so better than one in two. I think he's the premium goal scorer in the division. Yes, Joel Perot's probably more got more quality on the ball, but that's not Adam Armstrong's game. Adam Armstrong is pace, playing on the shoulder, yeah. and clinicality inside the penalty area. And whether he's playing off the off the right or the left, as he has done for Southampton and for Blackburn previously, or whether he's playing down the middle, he scores goals. I think he's a great finisher. I think he's probably missing the height. Um, to play in the Premier League as a number nine. And he's probably missing a little bit of pace to play as a wide forward in the Premier League. So I think he probably is capped a little bit his ceiling at championship level because of his size. Maybe he could play off the left and score goals in the Premier League, but he might get pinned back a little bit and that's not where you want Adam Armstrong. Certainly don't think he's the number eight that um, that Russell Martin was using him as at some one point in the season early on, which was quite bizarre. But yeah, I think his record since Southampton have been more settled. He's been fantastic. I think he's the best striker in the championship. And for me, he had to lead the line. I did at one stage have Joel Perot up front, uh, Cal Walker-Peters at right back. And then I was trying to think of a holding midfielder and that's what made me go for Ampadu and switch it around and put Armstrong up front and, and get a different right back. So we could have had a couple more clashes. So how many have come with Johansson's gone? Leif Davis is gone, Keenan Dewsbury Hall's gone, and Jack Clark's gone. So four of the 11, we clashed. 
That's not too bad. We managed to it's select not. seven I, I different. We could have, I probably should have thought more out of the box than Jack Clark because I knew but, you as well. In it, it was. But it's, but it's one of those where I can't have him. I don't want you to have him either. This is the thing. It's one of those, isn't it, with Jack Clark that we would have, even though there was probably a very strong likelihood it was going to clash, we would have sounded absolutely idiotic not to have selected him because he is, without a doubt, the best. Le- well, I'm sure it would. Everything I think my midfield would you. overrun your midfield of Ampadu, Sheaf and Sar. I think that outruns. Who was your holding get, midfielder again? Adam Wharton, mate. Just getting Adam Wharton. Yeah, you've, got, you've got very much, you're very ball player heavy. You've got Adam Wharton, who's a passer. You've got John Swift, who's a passer and can't run. And you've got Zian Fleming, <laughs> who's very attacking. So I don't think you've got as good a balance in your midfield. Whereas I've got Ampadu, I've got Sheaf that can play defensive or attacking, and I've got the, the quality of Sara. So. I prefer. I think my midfield's better than your midfield, and I think the defense and attack are pretty par for the course. Fair enough. No, I'll no, just have to, no, just have to agree no with you, won't I? Oh, what's the point? I'll never win. Yeah, okay. What's I the like, point? Like I can't. Win. I can't win. But this has been good fun. I've enjoyed doing this. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast this week. Something a little bit different during the international break, um, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your episodes from if you do and you'll get the latest episode from us every single week back next monday with our championship analysis make sure you're following us on twitter at champ pod 24 as well and a huge thank you once again to our sponsors cards accepted for their support this season make sure you go and check them out thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another this is the championship Chat chat podcast your home of news views and debate from england's second tier